All right, please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. We're going to be in a few places in the book of Romans this morning, so I invite you to turn over to Romans chapter 7. Uh, Last Sunday morning, I started a new sermon series, so I want you to help me out real quick. Uh, Help me fill in this blank. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? With all your mind and with all your strength. So Jesus often answered the question, what's the greatest command? What's the first and most important command? And so he would point back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We know it as the Shema in Hebrews. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul. And in the Greek, it's included the mind and your strength. So Jesus believes that with all of who we are, including our mind, that we need to love God. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. But what we're focusing on for this sermon series, for this series of teachings, using Paul's letter to the Romans, is we're focusing on your mind. I asked you last week, do you ever think about what you think about? I'm trying to get inside your head, or really I want you to get inside your own head to take captive every thought that you have, every thought that you have, and make it obedient to Christ. So a while back, I was doing some yard work. I needed some equipment for my lawnmower, so I drove to Home Depot on a very busy Saturday. The parking lot was very busy. I ran inside really quick. I bought what I needed. I went back to my car, and I was getting ready to go home. And as I was leaving the parking lot, some crazy guy drove in way too fast and cut me off. I had a slam on my brakes. We almost had a wreck. And as he was driving by, just out of instinct, I kind of threw up my arms like this. You ever do that when people are driving crazy and I'm like, you're unsafe, so I'll just do this as he drives by. And then he saluted me and it wasn't very nice. And then (laughs) I'm sitting here thinking like, what's wrong with people? You know, why why would somebody drive like that? And then he, he pulled into the parking spot and he got out and he started charging at me. So I got out of my car and I was doing this like calm down and he came at me. He swung at me, I ducked down, and thankfully I've had a lifetime of watching professional wrestling, so I was able to put a little move on him, get him to the ground, and then somebody nearby, I just said, hey, call the police, and I held him down, the police showed up, okay, and then they they assessed the situation, they wound up arresting him, and then they wound up telling me that he was a wanted criminal, and I did them a huge favor that day. (laughs) And then I pulled into my driveway from Home Depot, and all of that was just what we would call an anger fantasy. None of that actually happened except the part of the guy cutting me off in the parking lot. <laughs> the rest of it would just happen in my mind. It wasn't, it wasn't real. So don't go look that story up because I just dreamed it up. You know, we, we have, I, maybe it's just me, but I'm assuming, I talk, I've done some research for this sermon series and I talk with a friend who's a counselor, and I told him about my idea for the sermon series and mental health issues and just things that go on in her mind. And I said, do you think I'm crazy? And he said, yes. He said, but everybody's crazy, so it's okay. And he said, I think, you know, that's a, it's a time to do a sermon series about the mind. So in Romans chapter 7, we looked at Romans 6 last week, we're going to move to Romans 7. I want to read uh, a passage that's difficult to read. I'm going to read chapter 7, verse 15 through 22, and I may get stumbled a little bit because every time I've reviewed over this, uh, the way that Paul continues to repeat the same thought, it's difficult to read, but just listen and just try to get inside Paul's mind for just a moment as we read verse 15 through 25. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do 
What I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But if in fact it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do not do what I want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. But I see in my members another law at war within the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh, I am a slave to the law of sin. Now, I know that as Paul is writing this, his longest letter here, it's a very complex letter, He has a purpose. He's trying to unite Jews and Gentiles in the mega city, in Rome. Here's how you have a functioning church. And he goes about it in some strange, long ways. And so he has this theological purpose for why he's writing Romans. But as you read through passages like this, does that not sound like a tormented man? He's like, I I have this in my mind, part of my mind that wants to do good and think godly thoughts, but I also have this other part of my mind that has these sinful thoughts, these fleshly thoughts, and I want to be this person and have this kind of mind, but I wind up too often thinking like this in the sinful nature, in the flesh. He's a troubled mind. Paul sounds like somebody who is mentally stuck. It's like he knows what he wants to be, but he just can't get there. And so he winds up diverting back to the old way and being the old person. He's stuck mentally. So a couple months ago, somebody in Corpus Christi, Texas, went through an ATM machine, went to make their transaction in this drive-through machine, and received this note. Please help. I'm stuck in here. I I don't have my phone. Please call my boss and gives this number. So this person's driving through thinking, I just wanted my receipt. What in the world is this? But they took a chance, called the number, and then waited around. The boss showed up. The authorities showed up. They opened up the ATM machine, and lo and behold, a technician had locked himself inside of the ATM machine. This is a true story. He had been in there for three hours, and he had, that was not the first note that he had written. He was sending people notes, and every time somebody would get a note, they would read it, and look around for like a hidden camera somewhere and laugh and drive off. So after three hours, finally this lady uh, takes him up on it, calls the number, and rescues him. So for three hours, he was stuck inside this ATM machine saying, help me, I'm stuck. And when I read this story, I immediately thought of Romans chapter 7. I feel like that's what Paul's saying. Help me, I'm stuck. Like, I want to do what's right, but then I also wind up doing what's wrong. I I don't always do the things that I want to do. And in our minds, you know, the way that God has created us is kind of this beautiful but complex brains that we have, these minds. And the way they operate, the way they think. Our minds are working 24 hours a day, during the day. We're having conversations, we're working, we're going to school, we're doing all this stuff. And we're processing all of it. But at nighttime, we sort through all of it. Even while we're sleeping, our minds are constantly working. Cognitive psychologists say that every thought that we have has a little bit of an emotional charge to it. 
So every thought has emotions, and it's either bringing you closer uh, towards joy and anger or further away or different emotions like joy and anger. We have emotions that go along with our thoughts, but our minds are always working. We're always thinking, and if we're not careful, we often drift into what's called toxic thinking. We have these rogue thoughts that we allow to permeate throughout our minds, right? We all do this. We have healthy thoughts, godly thoughts, but then we also have some thoughts that are not very healthy. And I don't know if that would be something that you daydream or fantasize about or just unhealthy ways of viewing people. You know, toxic thinking can be defined as unforgiving, holding on to a grudge, bitterness, irrational thoughts towards someone or towards a certain situation. It's when we have like a cloudy mind. When we're not thinking right, when people tell us you might want to go home and sleep on it before you respond to that email, because you're not thinking right. We all do this. We all are a little bit of a mixture of unhealthy thinking and toxic thinking. And we see that highlighted in Paul's life in Romans chapter 7. He is telling this church, this is who I am. I have some struggles. Becoming like Jesus is an ongoing process, and so we can't allow our minds to go undisciplined. I think one of the challenges that Paul is giving us, as he's guided by the Spirit, is that we have to take our thoughts captive and mentally discipline ourselves. Look at Romans chapter 8, the next chapter, verse 5 through 11. He's kind of continuing on the same theme that we just read from chapter 7. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. So he's on the same theme. The mind of the spirit or the mind of the flesh. And we see from chapter 7, he's kind of caught. He's stuck. He's in between both worlds. He wants to live a life where he's in the mind of the spirit, but the temptation of the mind of the flesh is very strong. And it's possible to live in the mind of the spirit. And he mentions death, he mentions resurrection, he mentions the spirit that dwells within us is the same spirit that brought Jesus back from the grave. And so we, we read last week from Romans chapter 6, Paul mentions baptism, and he equates baptism with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And he's saying that same spirit is in you. He reminds them of their baptism. And you get to walk in this new life. But according to Paul, it seems like it's a journey. It's not something that happens overnight. It's possible to be a renewed person. It's possible to have a renewed mind. But that journey takes time. This is the picture of the late Brennan Manning. Maybe you've heard that name. He's written several books. A pretty well-known Christian speaker. And according to him, he lived a double life. He said there would be many nights where he would be on stage 
speaking to large groups of Christian people. And then the next night, he was drunk, and he was lying, and constantly trying to cover up his lies. So one night he's in the spirit, one night he's in the flesh, and he said he lived like that for several years, and would try to get help, and then have relapses, and that eventually led to his divorce, and his marriage deteriorated, and he takes the blame for all of that. But in his book, as he's confessing all of these problems, he says that all of us have what he calls an imposture inside of us. We all have the fake me, the imposter. The imposter is the person inside of you, the part of your mind that listens to Satan's lies. And then you start believing those lies. And then your mind is dominated by the flesh. And he says you have to make peace with the imposter inside of you so that you can be who God is truly calling you to be in the mind of the Spirit. And which side you feed, is that's the side that is going to grow. So it's possible to live life in the mind of the Spirit, but it's a journey. It's possible to renew your mind, and we build up to Romans chapter 12. And on the PowerPoint there, it says Romans 12, 2, and that's the famous passage of be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But to get there, I want to read both Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. He starts by saying, I appeal to you, therefore. That word, therefore, is a connecting word. He's had 11 chapters in Romans of some complicated stuff, some deep theology. And what he's doing now is, he is he's about to move into the practical side of living. What it looks like practically to live as a follower of Jesus and to go to church and to live your life in Rome and for us to live our lives here. Here's the practical side. So therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So he starts with the body. You know, this sermon series is about the mind, but Paul here in verse 1 mentions the body. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And it's easy enough to discover this, but the body and the mind are interconnected. They influence each other. It's not like our minds can just be completely separated from what our bodies are doing. God has given us these bodies. Jesus took on a human body. So our bodies are important, and Paul mentions that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. I know that for me, often, when I have these mental tendencies... I'm not processing something in a healthy way, or I'm stuck on something that I know I shouldn't be stuck on, toxic thinking. Often, if I go do some physical activity, it kind of helps reset my mind. I go do yard work, go for a run, go for a workout, play sports. I do something like that, engage my physical fitness, and that actually helps with my mind. I have a friend who has run several ultra marathons. And so he trains, and he trains hard, and part of his training is not just physical training, but it's mental training. So he will run this six-mile loop three or four times in his training, and he places his car right in the middle of the loop. So he has to run past his car with the keys sitting right there. So physically, as he runs past his car, and he's on mile nine or mile 12, his body is saying, get the keys, get in the car, get warm, stop this. But mentally, he has to force himself to keep going. So he says, in doing that, 
He said, I've trained my body to do what my mind tells it to do. Train my body to do what my mind tells it to do. Now, when it comes to exercising, uh, I'm not there yet. But, but we live in a culture that's the opposite. We're obsessed with the human body. We're overly sexualized, and we just look at images all day long of human bodies, right? And so our bodies tell our minds how to operate. So it's the opposite, right? Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. These human bodies that we live within, not like going to the temple year after year in Jerusalem and offering an animal sacrifice, but you offer a living sacrifice of your own body, not just to die as a martyr one time and then it's over, but to offer yourself on a daily basis. Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. So the body is important, and the body is interconnected with the mind. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world. What does he mean by that? Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. J.B. Phillips interpreted it and says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. That doesn't mean that everything in our culture is wrong, and every time you turn on the TV or look on social media, everything's wrong. That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't conform to the patterns of this world, to the silly patterns that this world focuses on. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word transform, in Greek, the verb form of transform is used in the Gospels. There's an occasion when Jesus takes like his inner three, Peter, James, and John, and he takes them up on a mountain, and when he's up on the mountain, he's transfigured before them. And then Moses and Elijah appear, God speaks to Jesus. So the verb form of that is the same word that Paul is using here, be transformed, just like Jesus was transfigured before his apostles. It's where we get the English word metamorphosis. You know what a metamorphosis is? The first thought is, when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, which takes me back to elementary school. So earlier this week, I started looking up child education videos on YouTube, and I watched the transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly all over again. It's been a long time, and this lady was narrating it with this really soft voice, and I was thinking, like, man, this is really neat. It's been so long since I've seen it. It's cool that a caterpillar eventually becomes a butterfly. How does that happen? He morphs, a metamorphosis takes place. So Paul's saying, be transformed. You morph. There's a temptation to live life dominated by the sinful mind, by the flesh. But in Christ, he's offered us a new kind of life where we live life in the Spirit. So he's saying, be transformed. And, and really, by the grace of God, we receive this transformation, but it's an ongoing process. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not like, well, I've been baptized, so I'm done, and I'll never have these toxic thoughts again. So how can you live a transformed life? Well, he says, by the renewing of your mind, my mind renewal. And in doing so, you'll be able to discern what God's will is for your church, for your life, 
But you do this by the renewing of your mind. Now, Paul does not then go on to say, and here's how you renew your mind. Here are the steps. You read all of Romans and you get some clues. You could read the very next verse and he says, don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought to. So he's giving you some clues on what renewing your mind looks like. You read the rest of Paul's letters, you read the Gospels, and we get clues throughout on what it looks like to renew your mind. Right? But he doesn't just flat out say, here's what it is. But there are three words that have been very helpful to me the last few years when it comes to mind renewal. And this process, this journey that we're on. And the first one is to recognize. And somebody pointed this out to me about five years ago. Because as ministers, especially on Sundays, everything can go great, but there's maybe one or two negative things. And guess what we dwell on all Sunday? The negative things. So ministers usually talk to other ministers and encourage each other. That's when we say, hey, don't respond to that email until Monday morning when you're thinking more clearly. But then there's often times when you're driving home from Home Depot and somebody cuts you off in the parking lot, and the whole way home you're thinking about what you really wanted to do in that situation. Or whatever it may be for you, you recognize your mental tendencies that are unhealthy, that are toxic ways of thinking. You've lived with yourself long enough where hopefully you know what some of those tendencies are. Maybe you can pray about it and ask God to help reveal some of those things. Maybe you have somebody in your life that's close enough to you that you can ask, and maybe they can help show you some of your mental tendencies and some of your blind spots. But through the Spirit, you begin to recognize some of these mental pathways, and then find ways of redirecting. You know, for me, as I've already mentioned, if I'm stuck mentally and I'm not processing something in a healthy way, well, then I go do something physical. Go mow the lawn. Go play some sports. Redirect your thoughts. Or hopefully, through church and through life and community, you have some friends that are close enough to you where if you really are mentally stuck, you can call a friend and explain what's going on and just vent and kind of calm down a little bit. Uh, one writer that I was reading earlier this week says, write out your thoughts. Keep a thought journal. And when you see your brain laid out on paper, it will become pretty evident which thoughts need to be filtered out. If you just write out what you're thinking, you can kind of see, okay, that's a little bit overboard. As I studied mind renewal, Romans 12, 2, all week long, and listening to different preachers talk about it, reading different books about mind renewal over and over, people that you might consider spiritual giants all point back to Scripture memorization. When it comes to renewing the mind, memorizing Scripture has been so helpful in a lot of people's lives. And we're going to have more on that in the fall for our church. We're going to offer some challenges for you, but recognize your thoughts And then find ways of redirecting it. You cannot control the events and circumstances of your life. You can't control how people talk to you. But what you can control is how you process it and how you respond. Recognize, redirect with the purpose of retraining your brain. Of renewing your mind. So that in this journey of transformation, each year that goes by, we shouldn't be the same person that we were the year before. Because as God works on us, As we renew our minds, as we recognize our tendencies and redirect them, we become a person that's living closer and closer into the image of Jesus. This is a picture of a man named John Nash. 
the late John Nash. He was a professor at MIT, brilliant human being. He was married, had a kid, but he suffered from some mental issues. He had paranoid delusions, he heard voices, and for a while, his life spiraled out of control. He wound up getting sent off for a while to receive some help, and through a long period of time, he kind of cultivated his brain and realized, he said he had to test the voices to figure out which ones were true and which ones were false. They made a movie about him called A Beautiful Mind. And at the end of the movie, he's back in his classroom, he's teaching, and somebody meets him in his classroom and says, I would like to talk to you after class is over. And as the students are leaving, he grabs one of his students and he says, do you see a person standing right here? She's like, yeah. And he goes, okay, just making sure. So he had learned through time to test the voices. But he said something that I thought was very interesting as I was studying for this. He said, you know, we all hear voices. We just have to decide which ones we're going to listen to. So Paul tells us that mind renewal is possible. If we're baptized believers in Jesus, we live into our baptism through this transformation process. If you're not baptized into Christ, that's a decision that you can make to begin that process. But we can love God with all of our minds, but it doesn't just happen by accident. I want to offer a prayer And then we're going to offer an invitation. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for the students that are getting ready to go back to school and teachers and all those who work at schools. And thank you for uh, our elders and and Leonard and for Kate and Jill and the work that they do with our students. And I just pray that you would prepare them this week. And Lord, I pray for all of us that are in this room right now, Lord. We're spending time talking about our thoughts And Lord, I pray that we don't underestimate how important this is and that you will transform us, Father, from within, from within our minds, within our hearts, and help us to become the people that you're calling us to be and help us to be on mission, Father, so that we can be be healthy in your spirit and want to reach out to people in this community as well and help those who need helping and point people to you. I pray that you would open us up to that. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing a few more songs. Uh, We have, if you didn't know this, we have member cards in the slot in the pew in front of you. And at the bottom, it has a place to offer prayer requests. So as usual, while we're singing the song, we're going to have our shepherds. One will be up front with me, and the rest will be kind of moving around the auditorium right now. If you need to grab a shepherd and pray or maybe set up a time this week to talk with one of them, then take that opportunity. If you just want to hand them a prayer card and you're hurting, but you, you don't have the words right now, just write it out and hand it to one of our shepherds. We just want you to know that this is a great time to take advantage of a group of men who love you and who have been on this journey of following Jesus for a while. And if you need to come up front, you can do that as well. But let's stand and continue our time of worship. <laughs>